the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Merry Christmas, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we journey through our special Christmas series, Pastor Will continues his message in the book of Luke, chapter 2, entitled God's Will Toward Men. Turn to the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. And you probably are familiar with this verse. If not, it's pretty cool stuff. Micah was a prophet to the nation of Israel, nation of Judah, 700 years before, over 700 years before Christ was born. And he prophesied here in chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, there's two Bethlehems in Israel. This signifies the one that's the city of David. Though you be little among the thousands of Judah, all the cities in Judah, though you be the most insignificant of towns, yet out of you shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Now, of course, the house of David is not exactly in favor like it used to be back in the day when David was king. A curse had been pronounced upon David's line. A judgment had occurred under David's line. And when Israel came back, when Judah came back from Babylon, there was no king. They had not had a king since the last king of Judah went into captivity. So Joseph's line, his family line, is not something held in high esteem at this day and age. And so he's not in Bethlehem. He's in Nazareth, Beantown, a nowhere place, out in the middle of nowhere. And yet... God, how is he going to get that guy back down to Bethlehem to fulfill this prophecy? I know what I'll do. I'll use the most powerful man in the world who thinks he's a God. And I'll just steer him a little bit this way. See, God's the one who's in charge. God's the one who's in charge. The God of the universe was born in a barn, sleeping in a feeding trough because God had prophesied that's how it would happen hundreds of years before it ever happened. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. It talks about Jesus, and it shows us his mindset when he came to our world. It says, in being found in fashion as a man, appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The very nature of what Christ was doing was humility. It wouldn't serve for him to be born in a palace or to have big announcements and serve for him to be born in the least of places. He was the heir to David's throne. He should be born in David's city, even though it was insignificant. So whether you think Augustus was a great man or a tyrant, different people in history think different things about him, humility like this was unheard of by world rulers and still is today. 
I love what J.C. Ryle said. He said, little did these rulers think that they were helping to lay the foundation of a kingdom before which the empires of this world would all go down one day. Isn't that cool? Little did they know. And this provides great comfort for us in the times that we live in. J.C. Ryle went on to say, a true Christian should never be greatly moved or disquieted by the conduct of the rulers of the earth. He should see with the eye of faith a hand overruling all that they do to the praise of the glory of God. Isn't that truth? Like We don't have to be moved by what we see on Fox or CNN or anywhere else. I can say there's someone steering your handle, and you can only go so far. And you know what's cool about Jesus? Unlike Emperor Augustus, I don't know about you, but I've never felt like the Son of God, so I can't relate to that guy. Everybody can relate to Jesus, rich or poor, important or ignored. His humility shows his love, that he's not ashamed to call any of us brethren, that he's not ashamed to say that we are the sons and daughters of God. Now, if that's the end of the story, that'd be cool enough, but it doesn't end there because there was fanfare, just not the fanfare you and I might expect. Look at verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, abiding in their field means they were living outdoors. They were just permanent shepherds. These were not just guys who did the job every once in a while. Now, only the lowliest in Israeli society took the job of being a shepherd because the job requirements made it impossible for you to keep all the ceremonial laws that the rabbis had laid out. Now, this placed them under the rabbinical ban, which means they couldn't testify in court. There were lots of things that they were forbidden from doing. They were also despised by the people because they were considered unclean and therefore they were not held in high esteem. Uh, Back in, what is it, 1917, they said, don't let your daughter date a baseball player. Don't let your daughter date a lawyer. Don't let your daughter date a, uh, sorry, Navy guys, Navy man. That was the three things. It was like 1911 is what the common phrase was. But in that day, in Jesus' day, it would have been, don't let your daughter date a shepherd. But what's interesting about these guys is I'm not sure they were the regular shepherds. The traditional story shows it that way. However, the locale begs an interesting question. Some suggest these were the very shepherds who watched over the temple flocks because those flocks were pastured in Bethlehem year round. And if that's true, then these were the men trained by the priests to care for and inspect the sheep regularly to ensure they qualified for use during Passover. No blemish, no spot, right? No broken bone, none of those things. They were the ones to ensure that it didn't happen and that they would be regularly inspected so they could be used for the Passover feast. Now, might we find anything biblical about that? Turn back to Micah. How fitting the birth of Christ, the prophecy there, we have another prophecy nearby that says something so interesting. So interesting. Micah chapter 4, verse 6, and we're going to read all the way through to verse 8. Prepare to have your mind blown. Verse 6, And in that day, says the Lord, will I assemble her that halts, and I will gather her that is driven out, and her that I have afflicted, so his own people. And I will make her that halted a remnant, and her that was cast far off a strong nation, and the Lord shall reign over them in Mount Zion from henceforth even forever. Verse 8, And you, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, Unto you shall it come, the it referring to the ruler there, 
even the first dominion, the kingdom shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. Now, at face value, you read it and go, okay, it's just a prophecy that someday God will send his Messiah to rule and reign. There's an interesting thought here, though. And thou, O tower of the flock? What does that mean? That phrase, O tower of the flock, it's the words Migdal Eder, a shepherd watchtower in the fields of Bethlehem. In other words, the announcement would come to Migdal Eder that the Messiah had come. The rabbis in Jesus' day believed this prophecy meant that the arrival of the Messiah would be announced at this place. Well, guess where the angels come? We don't know where Migdal Eder is today because the tower was destroyed. But somewhere in Bethlehem, there were shepherds, and guess where they kept their flocks, the temple shepherds did? At the tower of Migdal Eder. If that is indeed true, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, his announcement, the first people to see him, will be the very people who are supposed to inspect the lambs of God to make sure that they were without blemish, without spot, without any broken bones. They would be the first ones to come and to see the king. Isn't that cool? <laughs> How appropriate that the announcement would come to these shepherds. Well, whatever shepherds they were, this night's about to get very interesting for them. Back in Luke verse 9, while they're just hanging out with their sheep, it says, verse 9, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, or literally stood near them. I know we have our pictures. We love to see the angels in the sky singing and everything. There was no angels in the sky. They were all on the ground, okay? This guy, you know, they're watching their sheep, and all of a sudden the angel shows up, and he goes, what's going on? And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel, when he shows up, the glory of God illuminates the area. And they feared a great fear is what that word so afraid literally means. Now, most people in the Bible assumed judgment when an angel showed up. They most likely thought God was here to get them. They'd messed up their job somehow. But the truth was the exact opposite. For it says here, the angel said unto them, fear not. And that's the first part of their Christmas message is do not be afraid. Listen, you and I have every natural reason to fear You and I have done things worthy of God's judgment and God would be just to give it to us. But Jesus, he didn't come to do that, did he? In John 3, 16, the verse that's so famous, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We often forget the next verse, which says this. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Listen, guys, the gospel is awesome news. It's awesome news for you and for me because Jesus came to save. He didn't come to condemn. He came to save. He didn't come to give us what we deserve. He came to show us mercy, to give us what we didn't deserve, to show us grace. And so his second message is not only don't be afraid, but it's be filled with joy. He says, for behold, why should they not fear? Pure behold, which means listen up, pay attention. And if you haven't heard anything yet, listen to this. Listen up, pay attention. For I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The phrase there, bring tidings, means I'm here to communicate awesome news to you. And it's news that is of great joy. The word in the Greek is mega joy. I have mega joy for you guys. You know, we hear about mega sales during this time of year. Jesus has mega joy for us. This is a huge reason for everyone to be glad is what the angel's saying. 
So what's the awesome news? What's the huge reason? Verses 11 and 12. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now the language would immediately call to mind Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. So what kind of child will he be? He'll be a savior, a deliverer, a rescuer, a hero. Augustus, something else about him that's interesting. He was called the savior of the world by the Romans. One calendar inscription in 9 BC states, whereas the providence which has guided our whole existence and which has shown such care and liberality has brought our life to the peak of perfection in giving to us Augustus Caesar, whom it filled with virtue for the welfare of mankind and who being sent to us and to our descendants as a savior has put an end to war and has set all things in order. The savior of the world. The Pax Romana, if it were even truly good, didn't last. It didn't last forever. It didn't last very long. But this child, see, he wouldn't be a common hero who made things better for a little while. He wouldn't be a despot who just stomped everybody out and then called it peace. He's the Messiah who's God in the flesh. Christ the Lord, that's what that means. The Messiah, Christ, who's God in the flesh, the Lord. Kurios the Savior, the true Savior of the world. Now, news like this, even if anticipated, had to seem too good to be true. Was this really happening? So the angel explains how they'll know it's true in verse 12. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And what are the odds of that? No odds. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. And yet here we find that when they come, that's exactly what they'll find. Now, before the shepherds can even process the words, the angel, he gets some backup. So verse 13, and suddenly, which means immediately, right as he got done speaking, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The word there with means together with. So again, all the other angels weren't in the sky. They were all standing near the shepherds. And it mentions here that it was the heavenly host. It means an army or a throng of angels. Webster's defines a throng as a densely packed group. I imagine, I'm pretty sure, every angel who didn't rebel with Satan wanted in on this stuff. This was an amazing group. This was the highest attended shepherd service they ever had. Okay, people were, the angels were everywhere. They all wanted to make this announcement. And so when they get there, they praised God. It means to speak of the excellence of a person. They spoke of how excellent and how awesome God is saying, why? Number one, glory to God in the highest. Heaven makes a declaration here. And the first declaration is that God deserves honor. That's what glory means. It means deserving of honor. God deserves value in our lives. We often take this time, and again, I, it's always difficult for me because people say, well, we gotta be nice, it's Christmas. And you go to the concerts and we sing all these songs about Jesus. And yet we can 
condemn him in our lives. Many of those people don't even believe. And I think in this one time of the year we do this when the reality is, is God should have value to us at all times. He is deserving of honor. He's deserving of a high value in our hearts. And that is something that we should remember this Christmas, that he's always deserving of honor. Glory to God in the highest, which means glory to the one who is in heaven, as opposed to all the idols on earth, including earth's man god, Augustus, this imposter. There'll be an imposter who comes again someday, the Antichrist. And Jesus even said to his people, he says, there's going to be another guy. I don't come in my own name, but there's going to be a guy who comes in his own name and him you'll receive. Let's make sure that whatever we do this Christmas, that we make that commitment in our hearts that we're going to value him in our lives the one who truly is deserving of it. Now, why is God deserving of praise and honor? Well, because his heart is truly for us and he's come to demonstrate it. For it says here, on earth, peace, goodwill toward man. Heaven makes a declaration. Number one, God deserves honor. Number two, God's heart is not against mankind. It's toward mankind. On the earth, peace. You know, it's interesting. In heaven, Everything's done the way God wants it. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. How? As it is in heaven, right? Everything's done the way it's supposed to be there. Earth is the place of rebellion toward him, right? Earth is the place where things aren't the way they're supposed to be. That's why when people will be frustrated with God or mock God or complain toward God and they say, you know, why would God let these things happen? Well, earth isn't rebellion to him. We don't do things the way he wants, so we're going to get a result that's not the way he wants. It's not God's fault. It's our fault. See, God is deserving of honor on this night, the angel declares, because in coming to our world, he looks at us rebels and he offers us peace. He offers us clemency. He offers us forgiveness. A freedom from worry of judgment deserved. A restoration of what was lost. A relationship with him possible again. It's interesting. Paul said that his chief goal, the high prize of his calling was what? That I may know him, right? That I may know him, the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his suffering. But did you know that that's God's chief goal as well? Turn to Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three, verse 12. Paul, in speaking of this goal of knowing Christ and being the high prize of his calling, he explains that he's not there yet. He has not achieved knowing Christ yet in the way that he needs to know him. So look at what he says here in verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, I pursue hard, if that I may apprehend, lay hold of, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus, why he laid hold of me. See, not only when he communicates, it says, I'm reaching forward to this high prize of my calling, which is to know the Lord. I want to apprehend that. But he explains, that's why he apprehended me. That's why he laid hold of me, is to know me as well. See, sin got in the way of that. So God came to deal with a sin problem. And this shows his heart is toward us, even though our hearts are not toward him. In sending his son, He has this announcement that says, not judgment, but peace, goodwill toward man. Now, what is goodwill toward man? We usually think of it as, hey, let's be nice to each other. It's Christmas. Let's have goodwill toward man. 
But it's not communicating necessarily our goodwill toward each other, but God's goodwill toward us. The word goodwill there means kind intentions, a favorable disposition. Do you know that God has kind intentions for you? That his disposition towards you is favorable? Now, the phrase there, toward men, it means in or among men, which means God wants to extend beyond that. You know, you think of the mess that we're in right now. Why can't we all get along? And yet, many of us will struggle to do that just in our own family gathering. (laughs) Are we going to get along with people all the way across the world? It's our sin. We need to be rescued. Our way of doing it isn't working. It's not right. We need a Savior. And so God's intention towards us, his kind intentions towards us, it's not just toward us, but he wants to express it through us. He wants it to extend, not just saving us from our sin, but saving this world from the mess that we've made of it. And that's what he sent Jesus for. Now, we do not see all things under his feet yet, so that's why we don't see things the way that they should be yet. But see, this is his first coming, and someday there'll be a second coming. And when Jesus comes that time, it will be to rule and reign. And he will fulfill all the prophecies that we mentioned of the kingdom that shall never end in Micah 4 and Micah 5, when his kingdom shall be forever. And when he reigns, everything will be the way it's supposed to be. We will have goodwill towards each other. Things will be done right. Everything will be perfect. Now, until that day, what do we do with this announcement, though? It didn't happen in their day, and it hasn't happened yet in our day. But Christ died for us. And this shows that just as we have a part to play in the goodwill toward man, because God wants to extend it to goodwill toward each other among men, we can have a part to play right now. As I said earlier, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. It's in the hearts of those who receive it. It's a kingdom of truth. So we can abide by those kingdom principles now, right? We can have goodwill among men by our own decision right now. And so that means this beautiful blessing of peace is to those who decide they are done striving to live life on their own terms, apart from God and their fellow man. It is to those who decide they are done striving to get ahead of their fellows, but that they will love one another. It's an invitation to be rebels no more, to lay down one's life, just as he would, just 30 years later or so, lay down his life for us on the cross. And that is an element you and I must never forget when it comes to Christmas. Yes, Jesus came to save me, but I mustn't forget what he came to save me from. He came to save me from myself. (laughs) He came to save me from myself, that I might be like him. And what better day to make or reaffirm that choice than today? Say, Lord, I don't want to be a rebel anymore. I want to do what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, when he said these words. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What better day to say, Lord, I choose today, I recommit to deny myself, to take up my cross afresh and to follow you. Guys, you're going to spend time with family, open gifts, have a wonderful time. I pray, I've been praying for all of you to have a wonderful time because I know it can sometimes, what can be on the horizon is not necessarily exciting. But I want to encourage you, don't miss Jesus in the midst of all that. And don't miss him. Enjoy it, but don't miss him 
And the way we don't miss him is by being yielded to him, by giving him the honor that he deserves, right? The place of preeminence that he deserves. And by recognizing his heart towards us and then showing it towards others. Amen? Amen. Now, if you don't know the Lord today, I know it's supposed to be a happy Christmas message, but there is cause to be afraid if you refuse to listen to this offer. See, good news implies we're in a bad spot. And that bad spot is my sin. It separates me from God. And we're all guilty of it. There's not a single person that's not guilty of it. But God loves us so much that he didn't leave us in that bad spot. He sent his son. That's what this announcement is about. And so while there's still time, because the kingdom's coming, while there's still time, don't ignore God's lifeline that he's extended to you. He wants to draw you close. Give him your life today. Lord, we thank you for your great love manifest on this amazing day. This night back then as the shepherds were watching their flocks and you announced your goodwill toward us. Lord, we don't want to move on thinking you're angry with us or you're through with us or Lord, we've gone too far to come back. We yield ourselves to you and we recognize, Lord, and we believe that you love us. And so here we are that we would be your people, called by your name, walking worthy of our calling, shining as lights for you. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at 407-523-0800 during our office hours, Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.